Well, it is great to be in church. What a week of meetings. I absolutely love that. How's the mic? Is it good? Is it level? Everything's good? All right, good. All right. Turn, if you will, to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Father, it is good to be in your house. Father, these people didn't come here to hear me. These people came here to hear you. So, Lord, I pray that you would use me, guide my mouth, guide my actions. Father, you know my character. You know that I'm very outgoing. Father, help me to be serious and help me to be severe. Help me to be um, the preacher that you would have me to be tonight. Father, that your word would come from me, from you directly. And, Father, that there would be um, as little blunders as humanly possible. But, Father God, it's you. It's all you. pray that you would use it. In Jesus' name. Um, all right. In James chapter 2, it helps if I actually get there myself. In James chapter 2, and look at verse number 14, it says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace. Be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And I will show thee my faith by my works. Point number one of this message being of true faith, the message title, true faith, shows in James chapter 2 that faith without works is dead. It's pointless. It's meaningless. You can say that you have faith all day long. And indeed, we see Christians all the time. They say... Oh yeah, I believe in God. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe, I'm a Christian. Can't you see? I'm a Christian. See, look at what I'm saying. Yeah, but <laughs> show me your actions. Come on, if you believe what you say, prove it by your actions. Faith without works is dead. We can say that we trust God until we are blue in the face and live entirely without him. We can live life in such a way that it is so easy for us to say things. But to do them, to apply what you believe, to apply what you say you believe, that's entirely different. That shows you what sort of a character that you possess. It actually shows what you actually have faith in. It shows what you actually believe. And it's important that your actions back up your words. So many Christians, you come across them in the marketplace. You come across them in your, your, your day-to-day life. You come, you come across these guys and they say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but sh- <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, you're, if you're a Christian, then a lost person would be like, why would I want that? They live exactly like me. They talk exactly like me. They, uh, they go the same places I go. I mean, what, where's the difference? Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. We're supposed to be different than the rest of the world. We're supposed to be different. Do we show it? It's our, it's your prerogative, guys. It's my prerogative. I'm gonna, it's a little hot up here. I'm going to take this off. Except I have the thing in my pocket. That would be necessary, isn't it? <clears throat> <laughs> Am I popping too? Okay, we're all good. All right. <clears throat> so point number one is lack of faith. Your lack of faith is shown by your actions. Point number two is lean faith. Turn to Hebrews chapter, um, actually, Go to James chapter 1. I'll just read Hebrews Hebrews 11, 6. For without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The most annoying thing that I find about myself is that I trusted God with my soul. If you're saved in here today, and you know that without a shadow of a doubt that you're going to heaven when you die, and you trusted God with your very existence, with your very soul, yet you don't trust him with your finances? You don't trust him with your family? You don't trust him with your, with your social life? You don't trust him in those areas? What, 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 what good is it? It's such, it's so, it's so odd to me. Even in myself, I look at myself and I say, Lord, I gave you my eternity, and yet I can't trust you with the present. And I find that's a common trend, and it ought not so to be. You trusted God with your soul. Why is it so hard to trust him with everything else? Why, do you, why don't you have faith in him to grant your requests and meet your needs? God says that I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. Uh, David said that in Proverbs. Oh, no, it's Psalms. He said it in Psalms. Where it's like you've, your daily provision is given to you by the Lord. And his mercies are renewed every morning. Thank God for it. But... By not trusting him with your now, what does that tell you about trusting him in the future? What does that tell you when you look at yourself and you're just like, I, if I don't trust God here, how am I going to trust him there? And you think, th- you think in the moment, oh yeah, when it comes to the big things, I'll trust God, but it comes down to the little things first. It all comes down to the little things first. And in James chapter 1, I should say this first. In the book of Luke chapter 5, Jesus uh, is preaching to the the crowd. And he gets in a boat with Simon Peter. 
and he goes out into the, into the deep. He tells, he tells Peter, go out into the deep and cast out the net for a draught. Thy nets, he actually says. It's, it's plural, thy nets. And Simon's like, Lord, I've been toiling all night. Lord, I've been, I've been, I've been working this 12-hour shift, and I'm tired, and I want to go home and eat some Eggos and watch Matlock. I just want to go home, and I want to put on my jammies, and I want to sit in my cozy chair, and I don't want to smell the smell of the ocean anymore. I just want to be alone. But all right, Lord, if you tell me to do it, I'll cast out a net. In the passage, he says, a net. Peter says, a net, a net, singular. Jesus told him, hey, give me all your nets, and Peter just gave the one net. What was the consequences of this? Well, Peter got blessed, but uh, at what a cost. Peter's net was tearing. It was torn. It cost him that net. If he caught it makes me wonder, if he caught, cast out all the nets, like Jesus said, maybe all the fish, all the weight of the fish, and the boat would have been evenly distributed. The weight of the fish and the boat would have been evenly distributed, and so the boat would still have remained buoyant, and it wouldn't have been in danger of breaking the boat. You see, you can say that you have faith, but it's all or nothing. It is all or nothing. That net of yours that God wants to bless you, he wants to give you all the great things of life, he wants to give you the desires of your heart, seeing if they're pure desires and if they're good desires. But if you don't trust him with your everything, how is he going to bless you and you be able to handle the blessing? God can't trust you in the small things. How can he trust you in the big things? Your lack of faith will cost you. It'll cost you. In James chapter 1, in verse number 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and shall be given him. Hey, Mr. Thomas. That was a verse that he drilled into our head. Um... Having faith, nothing wavering. Such an interesting term. Nothing wavering. Nothing, nothing at all. Trusting God with your everything. Not just your, your, your little, your everything. Your finances, your car, your house, your family, your relationships, your status, everything. It comes down to everything. I have in my hand a penny. It's a very interesting penny. It's a 1999, so it's mostly zinc. Um, 
It used to be in the 70s, they, they had these entirely copper. Um, thanks, Ben, for giving me that fact. Um, they used to be entirely copper during the 70s, but they, they thought it was cheaper, and it was cheaper to make it out of zinc, and it kind of defeated the entire purpose of a penny being entirely copper. Um, it kind of devalued the dollar. Um, but it says in here, in God we trust. It's very funny because uh, most Christians uh, trust this more than God. This represents my hopes, my wants, my dreams, my future, my desires, everything that I could ever possibly want or need in this here penny. How do I give God my everything? Hey, uh, Michael, could you take this? I know that you'll keep it in good keeping. Keep it safe. No. Nothing wavering without thought of restraint. With no restraint and with no second thought. That's having faith, nothing wavering. Giving God everything and not looking back. And it's a constant battle. You're always going to want to take that penny back. You're always going to want to take that everything back because we love control. It's in our nature. It's in our nature to control things. It's in our nature. We're humans. We dominated the planet. Thank God we did and not crocodiles or something. Where was I? Oh, yes. So that was point number two. That's lean faith, small faith. Small faith will cost you. Your lack of faith is an example to the world why they shouldn't trust God. Your lean faith shows God that you're not in it and that you're just happy with being mediocre. I would that you were cold or hot, yet I, because you're neither, I'm going to spew you out of my face. Christians, just get, if we could just get a hold of this idea that it's all or nothing, that you're either in or you're out, it would be so much better. Think about how much God could do with just 10, just 10 that fully dedicated themselves. The world changed with the revivals of the past. You had all these people, these men of absolute, just faith, un unfathomable. The same God that granted their requests will grant your requests if you believe that he'll do it. The only thing stopping God, oh, get this. The only thing that is stopping God from giving us the blessings that he wants us to have is our lack of faith that he'll do it. He's more than able. We're standing in more than able. I was here when they built this building. 
I remember coming in here. It was freezing cold. It was all steel. And we were writing scripture verses on the steel with Sharpie. I remember that. How many of you remember that? You guys remember that? And yet, we see the impossible. And we say, oh, I can't have that. What if God says no? Well, then it's not in the will of God that you have that, but he has plenty of others. Point number three is learn faith. Malachi chapter three, or Malachi. It's a very Italian book. <clears throat> Malachi chapter three, look at verse number 10. Malachi 3.10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. Saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's a challenge. God just issued us a challenge in that verse. Hey, if you know and you're doing what you know to do is right and you're doing God's will, if you're trusting God with your everything, why wouldn't he bless you? Why wouldn't he? He's a loving father. He provides. He provides not only for your needs, but for your wants as well. Why would he, res why would he restrain himself? God is looking to pour you out a blessing. The thing that gets in our way is our lack of faith. Jesus said it clearly. In Luke chapter 17, turn there. Luke chapter 17. How we doing? Doing all right? Luke chapter 17, look at verse number five. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, Ye might say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Hmm. Faith the size of a mustard seed. I've preached a little bit about that before, but it's so funny. God, in his infinite knowledge and wisdom, says this. Um, hey, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say unto to a big old oak, hey, get out of here. And the oak will do it. Now, I believe that was specifically to the, uh, to the apostles there, but it's, it's interesting because all scripture is written for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. I think this is 
informational right here. It's the amount of faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed. If the faith the size of a mustard seed could do that, how little faith we exhibit. How little faith that we actually tap into. How little faith we actually show God. So funny to me. So funny to me. Romans chapter 14. Here we go into the into the home stretch. Romans chapter 14, it talks about whatsoever is not of faith, it's sin. Hey, whatever we do that's not in faith is sin to God. Ooh, well then we're all guilty of that, aren't we? I mean, Christians sometimes are the most faithless people on the planet. Oh, that's a statement. Oof, sometimes. Christians, we've seen God's power. We've seen him work. Yet some aborigine can believe in like 400-something gods or whatever and be all okay with that and have faith in all those. Yeah, we can't believe in, in God who has clearly shown us his blessings and his power, and we, we just throw it all away. We throw it away. You've hindered the Holy One of Israel. You've hindered God with your lack of faith. Let that sink in. Lord, help us. My word. I love this example. This is actually the um, example that the Lord used to start working on me to write this message. It says, there were two farmers, and it was a really hot summer. Both go out into their fields, respectively, and both prayed for rain. One farmer, after fervent prayer, goes back into his house and kind of just sits there and waits. While the other farmer, after fervent prayer, rises from the ground and preps his entire field for a flood. Tell me, which showed more faith? Which showed more faith? Here's the thing. We're inclined to think that the one didn't get any rain, but the other who prepped his field got the rain. I don't think that's what that's trying to say there. It could be, it very well could be. But to me, both got the rain. One was just able to receive it. One was just able and ready to receive it. That's the person who had more faith. The one farmer had enough sense to ask God for the rain. But the other farmer had enough sense to not only pray for the rain, but to prepare for the rain. Tell me, if you want revival in your life, why is it that you pray for revival, yet you don't prep for revival? 
You don't prep yourselves for revival. We've had a great week of meetings, people. Great preaching. And yet, <laughs> how much change has that actually made in your lives? Or how much has it actually done for you? That's where your faith comes into play. That's where your faith shows. Please be encouraged. I'm not trying to not trying to punch you. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm just I'm If we could get a hold of this and give God our everything, maybe God will see it fit that he does something that really shakes the world. People say all the time, oh, the great revivals of the past. What about the great revivals of the now? What about now? The God of their revivals is the same God of this one. The same God that blessed Abraham forever is the same God that indwells in you. The same God that keeps the very universe in motion has your best interests at heart and has given us such blessings before. Has now. It's now. It's not then, it's now. He's the God of the now, as just as God as he was then and just as God as he will be in the future. Question is, do you want it? Or are you going through the motions? Are you going through the motions? I pray that not be you. I pray that's not the case. But I can't read your heart. Only God can do that. And God will bring revival. You want it. It's yours of the taking. Father God, I thank you for the night. Father, you've just been so good. I thank you for this opportunity that you've granted. Pray, Father, that you would just use the message to your honor and to your glory. Father, that you would be magnified beyond measure. Thank you, Father, for what you've done. Help us increase our faith, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.